and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on today's episode to dissect arguably one of the most iconic and influential animated shows of all time, The Simpsons, its host of Smash Prawns and a Milky Basket, and it's an S-Pod thing podcast, Sophie Davis. Sophie was kind enough to join me on the show to talk about something that I'm honestly surprised hasn't come up sooner, and that is, of course, The Simpsons. The Simpsons first aired in 1989, and the world hasn't been the same since. It's a show that's lasted over 30 years, and during that time has amassed millions upon millions of followers. In fact, it's such a cultural touchstone that really you could just say the odd reference or quote a character, and you guarantee wherever you are in the world, someone will understand what you are talking about. Now, during this time, of course, it's had ups and downs, and we get into all of that in this conversation. We talk about the early years, what's considered the golden period, really, in the 90s, as well as some of the more recent episodes, the characters, the themes, and what exactly it is that's just allowed it to make such an immense impact in pop culture. There are, of course, plenty of quotes, references, and clips put in throughout the episode for you all to enjoy. I've had so much fun putting this one together in the edit, and I really hope you guys enjoy it too. So, without further ado, let's get to the episode. This is The Simpsons with Sophie Davis. Hello, Sophie, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure is all mine. And uh, you've come to us with a topic that I think is long overdue for a visit, and I'm really excited to talk about it, and that is The Simpsons. Yes, surprise no one's picked it before, but I'm glad <laughs> they haven't because I get to choose it now. Exactly, this is your moment. So I guess to kick us off, yeah, what was your introduction to The Simpsons and what made you bring it to the show today? So I remember it used to be on BBC Two at, I think, 6pm pretty much every weeknight, followed mm. by The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I often used to sort of watch that double bill after school, um, you know, something to look forward to. Yeah. And then I have this really distinct memory of going to Woolworths, um, <laughs> what a throwback, uh, going to Woolworths <laughs> with my mum and buying the season four DVD box set. Um, right. I looked I looked up before when it came out and it says 2004. So that seems about right. I would have been about 12 at the time. Yeah. Um, it was supposedly a present for my dad. It was like, it must have been birthday or Christmas or something, but mm -hmm. bought that DVD for my dad. And then I ended up just watching it like constantly watching the same episodes over and over again. And then over the next few years, using pocket money to buy like seasons one, two, about nine or ten, mm -hmm. like just as and when they came out, really. Um, and I remember I also went through a phase of being really into the Simpsons hit and run computer game. Oh, so yes. Yeah. My spare time when I was about probably 12 to 15 years old was just kind of wall to wall Simpsons. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had a very similar experience. So, yeah, for us over here in the UK, you're absolutely right. That was quite a common thing, sort of in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. It was. BBC Two, and um, quite a double bill as well, wasn't it? Sort of backed up with like the Fresh Prince and shows like that. It was mm -hmm. 
an embarrassment of riches, really. We used to get over here on a, on a, a regular basis. Um, and yeah, I remember us doing the same thing, actually, with the box sets, because they were a big deal, weren't they, when they came over here and DVDs were sort of quite new. It was like, yeah, the Simpsons box sets. They seemed to take their time bringing them out, didn't they? It wasn't like they just went, oh, here's yeah. all the seasons that have already aired. It was like one a year, it seemed. They would just gradually come out into stores. Yeah, because I guess at that point it was coming out in 2004 and I guess the season must have been on TV about 10 years before that. So yeah. they took their time rolling out the DVDs. I guess before that you could probably buy videos where it was like a few episodes per video. Must but have been, like, yeah. Yeah, not really worth it. And I think it's a show <laughs> that really benefits from that sort of DVD viewing where you watch it over and over again and you pick up on all the different jokes and the visual jokes like, I think mm -hmm. it's almost like they wrote it to be watched over and over again and they just had to kind of wait for the technology to catch up. Yeah, totally. It's it's one of those... It's such a funny thing, isn't it, as a as a show? It works on those levels. You're absolutely right. Like you watch it as a kid and you kind of love it for the sort of slapstick and the silly humour and all the stuff that's kind of aimed at the younger le level. And then you get older and you rewatch it again and again. And as you sort of get older, you sort of pick up on the really subtle jokes and the the parodies and the references. And I, I don't know about you, something that I find uh, happens to me still is I'll watch a film or I'll see something from history and pop culture and I'll go, that's from The Simpsons. And it's just sort of like, I just realised my entire like knowledge of pop culture seems to stem from this one show. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I tried to make a little list before of like, films and tv shows that i was first introduced to via references in the simpsons like just right. off the top of my head obviously there's cape fear uh -huh. where i've still never actually seen the film i just know the sideshow bob episode which is like pretty much <laughs> like plot for plot like exactly the same um, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of stanley kubrick films which yes. I'm only realising now that I'm older and I've seen those films. Like, there's mm. there's references to A Clockwork Orange, which seems really inappropriate for The Simpsons. But, yeah. like, Bart, like, saying, like, I've got a pain in me Gulliver to get out of school. And it's just yeah. like, oh, OK, I never realised what that was from before. So, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the, the Cape Fear, because, yeah, at this time of recording, uh, I'd just seen today, my friends over at Ramblin' and Amblin' Podcast are doing that film. And a bunch of us have just been sending them Sideshow Bob gifts. And and like you say, you're sort of looking at some of the shots, because I've not seen the film myself, but I've been seeing some of the stills. And I'm like, oh, this is almost like a, a beat by beat for beat remake. And they've just done this. And and you're right, it's, it kind of feels inappropriate for a, a show that's meant to be for families. <laughs> wow, public library. We'll stay here for a while, Burn. Ah! <laughs> Oh, that man is so rude. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind, we're trying to watch the movie. Hey, Let me get my head out of this toilet. <laughs> oh, really? Now that's too much. You wrote me those letters. You awful man! Stay away from my son! Oh, I'll stay away from your son, all right. Stay away forever. No! Wait a minute. That's no good. Uh oh Wait! 
Wait, I've got a good one now. Marge, say, stay away from my son again. No! <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. that it does, whether you know the reference or not, it does work. Like, yeah. even if you have no idea that it's a parody, you still enjoy the episode because you just take it at face value. Like, oh, now he's hiding under the car. Now they're mm. having this weird confrontation in a cinema and you just accept that at face value and then yeah. you perhaps see clips from Cape Fear or watch the film and go, oh, that's what it's from. And Pulp Fiction is another one. Yeah, There's yeah. a whole bit where Chief Wiggum and Snake get sort of kidnapped and taken into a shop and they're like tied up in the back. Again, so inappropriate for children. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. <laughs> like all these yeah. references that the writers are getting in. Twin Peaks, which I've also mm. never seen, but I know there's this Twin Peaks parody in The Simpsons, Spinal Tap. Mm -hmm, Just so mm -hmm. many references I've been introduced to via The Simpsons. And then 10 or more years later, you suddenly, you know, see a film and go, oh, that's what that Simpsons episode was about. Mm. I feel like particularly in the earlier series, they were really good at using those references, but in a way that was quite entertaining and fun and original. Like like you mentioned Spinal Tap, for instance. You know, they the the gag there is that it's, it's them coming to Springfield and playing a show. And it makes sense because you get the actors, you get the characters in, and it's a fun little cameo. But it's, it makes sense in the world of The Simpsons. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's totally something that would happen. It's not just like a, oh, they're just ripping off Spinal Tap, a scene from, for example. Yeah, I think at the time I assumed they were just a band making a cameo, yeah. like a real band. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's all very confusing when I found out the truth behind that. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I mean, fun coincidence, well, Harry Shearer, one of the voices is in that movie, so probably would have been quite easy for him to just slip into that character and yeah, call up some of his mates. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, going from there, I think it's, it's probably good if we talk about some of, let's talk about some of the favourite seasons then, because I know you want to focus specifically on what people call the golden era. And I think that's totally fair, because at time of recording, I just looked it up, it's on season 34, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, it's, yeah, about 30 years it's been running for now, which just feels... Mm mad to me and it's such a unique thing and yeah it, it's weird the things they've done with it now like when I watch modern Simpsons it does feel like a very different show from mm. the one I grew up watching like in lots of different ways yeah how how so so I think for me so for me the golden era is kind of around season three to eight. Uh -huh. um, season one is pretty weird <laughs> and it's still kind of finding its feet at that point. Mm. And then I think season two, it definitely gets stronger. There's some really good sort of character stories. Like there's the episode where um, Homer eats a fish that might be poisonous and he thinks he might die. That's quite dark. Yeah. Uh, and there's the episode where Lisa gets a substitute teacher and then gets like really attached to him mm. so season two it's more emotional and it's not really like a sort of laugh out loud comedy at that point I feel but mm. then for me season three is where it starts to get like properly funny mm. season four then cements that with a lot of like the favorite episodes um the comedy writing I think is just genius the jokes are just so kind of intricate and layered it's just so good and then for me season nine is where it starts to feel a little different mm. 
mm-hmm. um, for various reasons, really, like behind the scenes stuff, like a lot of the writers had changed over by that point. Okay. Um, it, it's hard to point to one specific thing where you go, that's where it jumped the shark, because it's more gradual than that. It's not as simple as that. Um, yeah. There, there's one episode towards the beginning of season nine called um, The Principal and the Pauper, if you remember that one. Yeah, that rings a bell. Uh-huh. It's uh, where basically we find out that Principal Skinner has been an imposter all along. He's oh, actually yeah. a guy yeah. called Armin Tanzarian. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, in terms of the comedy, it's a good episode of The Simpsons. Mm. You know, it's got very funny moments in it, but it just feels a bit weird because it kind of breaks one of the longest running characters. Like mm. something we've always known about Skinner is that he has this very overbearing mother and mm. that upbringing with her is what has kind of made him the man he is. But in this really random episode, we find out that that didn't happen. He didn't have that upbringing at all. He's like a a biker in all these kind of flashbacks. He's like a sort of rebellious teenager. It just feels very weird. And then at the end of the episode, everything just goes back to normal because they decide to just let him carry on being Skinner. And they all Mm. just are like, oh, let's forget about this whole thing. And, you know, as I said, it is a funny episode but it feels a bit like they're kind of sacrificing characters for the sake of like coming up with a crazy plot. And Mm. that's kind of slightly the beginning of the end for me. Like it's still funny, but the characters are kind of like abandoned a little bit and there's the consistency is abandoned. Like similarly, there's an episode, I think a few seasons after that, Mm -hmm. where Homer finds out, well, the family find out that the reason why Homer is so stupid is that he's got a crayon lodged in his brain. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that, again, just seems to kind of break everything because we've been told all these different reasons over the years. You know, Homer has been quite, like, you know, unintelligent from a young age. And then Mm. we suddenly find out, oh, actually, it's because he's got a crayon lodged in his brain. And he gets it removed and becomes really clever. And then at the end of the episode, he has it put back in again. And Mm. it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) that's Mm. odd. And it's just weird when you're a long-term fan, when these Mm. things come up and you just feel kind of like, oh, that's weird. Like, that feels very against that character. Um, Yeah. Yeah, if that makes sense. (laughs) I think it does. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff where it starts to break the canon of what's already been established and... I know there's something I was talking to somebody about it the other day and and they were commenting on the fact that they felt that, you know, you used to get these flashback episodes in the earlier seasons oh, of like, yeah. you know, Homer and Marge meeting and, and like Bart and Lisa. And like one of the most effective episodes is when Maggie's born, mm-hmm. you know, and that's such a sweet episode. Anyone who's seen it, like the way that ends is so, it's such a lovely moment because it just, it sort of reminds you that, you know, Homer's a good guy really and he loves, he loves his daughter and, and it's sort of, you get that stuff but then after that it felt like all the episodes that we got afterwards that were flashbacks started to just mess a little too much with the the sort of history of the characters and it was kind of focused on like sort of forsaking the canon just to have a little quick pop at something that was happening in history or like insert the simpsons into a famous bit of history kind of forrest gump style and you're like yeah, this is this isn't as effective as it used to be. You know, this is like you say, if you're a fan, you even though it's a show, it's a sitcom, it's silly, you do pay attention to this stuff and you do care and you do sort of you do get invested in these characters. So if yeah, you're right, if you start messing with 
the things that have been established for them and you know the reasons of why they are the way they are it does kind of break that a little bit for the audience I think yeah I I haven't seen this one but apparently there's an episode quite recently Mm -hmm. where it's established that Homer and Marge now met in the 90s so it completely (laughs) just scraps everything (laughs) that came before where they met in the 70s they now have met in the 90s because Ah. I guess kids watching it now are probably like oh well if they met in the 70s then they must be like 70 years old but i doubt they're thinking Mm. about it that deeply it just seems weird to just change it that's kind of the problem really like bart and lisa have now been kids in the 90s Mm. and the 2000s and now and when you watch modern episodes they're using mobile phones and it just feels really wrong when you're so used to watching the old episodes it's something it that, yeah, someone, I, I heard somebody bring that up on another podcast recently and I thought that's a really good point actually there. But yeah, that the idea of moving them into the modern day, it does kind of break the flow a little bit. And you think they're characters that... I don't, I don't see what would have been wrong keeping them in the 90s or the early 2000s. You could have kept them in that bubble. Period piece. Yeah, exactly. You could have made it a period piece. And I don't know, maybe it's because as the show goes on, it sort of starts to rely on celebrity cameos and you know and they're trying to maybe they're running out of things to parody and they think well we need to move them on but i'd argue you don't need to do that like you said that the best bits are well from that period of time which would have been the 90s it's sort of it's just so perfect you know you don't you don't need to bring them forward and as you say it's a bit odd when you think about it for two seconds that you're like yeah why is bart still 10 like (laughs) it's been 30 years (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think in the classic era, you know, they'd have celebrity cameos, but there was usually a kind of, I don't know, like satire element to it. Like the celebrities were up for sort of lampooning themselves or Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. playing weird versions of themselves, like, you know, Adam West (laughs) playing like bitter versions of themselves and things like that. Whereas now when I was looking through the episodes on Wikipedia before, it seems like there's a celebrity guest in pretty much every episode for no real reason other than like marketing i guess like or oh, watch the simpsons tonight because so and so is in it yeah um like i know one of the most kind of lowest rated episodes of like mm-hmm. modern simpsons is one called lisa goes gaga which i watched the other day just out of curiosity because i heard about Disney this one Plus. yeah 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 basically lady gaga comes to springfield and that's basically the plot like yeah, she's yeah. It, i think Back in the day, it was more like there was a plot and then the celebrities would come up and they'd have some funny lines and it would feel like it was serving an actual purpose for the comedy. Mm. Whereas in, like, for example, that Lady Gaga episode, you know, I watched it and I didn't think it was the worst thing I'd ever seen, but I just it just felt a bit sort of empty to me, like a bit sort of like almost a PR exercise. Yeah, no, exactly. And like you say, you kind of like, well, where's where's the comedy? You know, where's the gag? And if if you're going to bring in a, a celebrity guest, either have them play a character, or if if they're going to be themselves, make it fun. You know, don't like like you said, make it a sort of where they have a bit of a laugh at themselves. And one big difference for me is that I think, like in the golden era of the show, you know, we were talking about characters before and kind of like sacrificing the characters a bit. Mm. The episodes did used to involve all these sort of wacky adventures, like those did exist. Mm-hmm. But it felt like the characters were always kind of at the heart of it. So, yeah. like, there's the episode in, I think it's season five, where 
Springfield legalizes gambling. Um, mm-hmm. And on the surface, it's quite a big, like, concept. Like, Mr. Burns builds a casino. <laughs> Homer starts working there. But then at the heart of it is kind of about how Marge, like, becomes addicted to gambling and how that impacts the family. So, you know, it's got this big story going on. But when you get down to it, there is, like, a family story going on too. Yeah. And, yeah, nowadays it feels a bit more like let's come up with a crazy story and then crazy things happen and there mm. isn't as much heart to it. I mean, I know, I know this is generalizing obviously, cause there are literally hundreds of episodes that yeah. I haven't even seen, <laughs> but from what I have seen, this seems to be the feel of it. And I'm sure there are some really good episodes in there, but like generally when I watch it, it just makes me feel a bit sad and, and kind of want to go back to my old DVD box sets and rewatch those instead. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think you're right. There's something about that. There's, it's got to have some heart to it, hasn't it? I mean, after all, we get invested in this family, and as, I think you're right. The best episodes are that perfect balance between like parody and sort of satire and things like that, but also, like you said, a, a sort of family story at the heart of it. Mm. And and it, it's something that I think we can probably dive into this. If we talk a little bit about the characters. It's mm-hmm. I think a good example of this would be someone like Homer Simpson who. You know, it could be very easy to make him a one-note character where, like, the joke is he's an idiot. And although some of his best moments are him just saying stupid stuff and it's amazing, the, the writers, I think, are quite smart in that in those early seasons to give him redemptive moments where it's like he's not an arrogant buffoon who just, you know, who hurts his family. Like, he's just a bit of a... He's a bit simple, but he means well. And that's kind of why everyone loves him. And they give him those moments... Um, where he'll do something really sweet and and lovely for his family, and you kind of you can't help but root for the guy. Yeah, they manage to get the balance right, don't they? Because mm. he could quite easily be a sort of hateable character because mm. he does things wrong all the time, but you do find him lovable ultimately. And sometimes yeah. it kind of flip flops from episode to episode. Like sometimes if it's a Marge focused episode, you might feel quite sort of more negative about Homer because he's if he's sort of ignoring her or being oblivious to her needs or something like that but overall i think yeah when i was younger i think i preferred bart and homer i think thinking about it now it's probably because they're a bit more sort of silly and like childish so yeah like i was laughing at them more so i was kind of preferring them whereas now that i'm an adult i definitely appreciate marge and lisa a lot more and mm-hmm. the sort of Lisa-centric episodes and the Marge-centric episodes that, to be honest, I sometimes would skip when I was, like, 12. Okay. But, like, now, I guess, you can see how sort of deep and, like, clever they are in comparison. Like, you can appreciate them a lot more as an adult. Is that so? Okay. Well, what, what, uh, what sort of examples come to mind? So, like, there's a Lisa episode called The Summer of Four Foot Two. Okay. Where the family go on a sort of beach holiday and Lisa is basically fed up of being unpopular at school and she uses this holiday as a chance to sort of reinvent herself. Yep. Um, And in the end, Bart gets really jealous because she's got these kind of cool new friends and he's like, oh, well, she's being a fraud. I'm the cool one. I deserve those friends. And Mm. so he sort of publicly embarrasses her. And when I was a child, I remember I would always skip the episode because I just found it really sad, even though there is a sort of happy ending because the kids who she makes friends with don't actually really care about the fact that Bart's embarrassed her. They still want to be her friend. But the whole tone of the episode is quite 
bleak and you know Lisa wanting to change everything about herself to make friends Mm. I think part of it as well was probably like I basically was Lisa as a child so maybe it was a bit (laughs) sort of triggering for me you know watching this episode about being unpopular at school and wanting to be different like Mm. that was probably an element of it as well um because it's such an amazing episode when I watch it now but yeah I used to skip it all the time um, and mm. Lisa also, she often gets the kind of big topics, like there's yeah. like the, the episode where she becomes a vegetarian, um, mm-hmm. the episode where uh, that Malibu Stacy talking doll comes out. And oh my goodness, yeah. It, it's like saying really <laughs> sexist things and Lisa's uh-huh. the only one who sees the problem. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that episode taught me the word sexism and what sexism was because i wouldn't have really heard about that at the age of like 10 or 12 i'm pretty sure that was my introduction to the concept of sexism the fact that this talking doll is saying stuff like um let's wear makeup so the boys will like us and (laughs) lisa's the only one in town who thinks that there's something wrong with that a hush falls over the General Assembly as Stacy approaches the podium to deliver what will no doubt be a stirring and memorable address. I wish they taught shopping in school. Aww. Let's bake some cookies for the boys. Come on, Stacy. I've waited my whole life to hear you speak. Don't you have anything relevant to say? Don't ask me. I'm just a girl. <laughs> right on. Say it, sister. It's not funny, Bart. Millions of girls will grow up thinking that this is the right way to act. That they can never be anything more than vacuous ninnies whose only goal is to look pretty, land a rich husband, and spend all day on the phone with their equally vacuous friends talking about how damn terrific it is to look pretty and have a rich husband. Just what I was going to say. Yeah. Do you know, do you think there's something quite clever about that? Sort of taking these big topics and letting you see them through the eyes of a child? Yeah, definitely. I think... It deals with those big topics very well and similar with some of the Marge episodes too. Like there's one that's very about Mm. class where she joins that country club Mm -hmm. um, and is like sort of, she's got that one Chanel suit that she got in like the bargain store and she keeps sewing it into like different outfits to try and give the impression that she's got loads of Chanel clothes. Yeah. Um, And ultimately she's kind of like, becoming a bit embarrassed of the rest of the family and that whole episode just feels like a whole sort of class debate really and yeah marge at the center of it all because yeah i can't imagine a homocentric episode being like a comment on like the class system (laughs) like those obviously i think they probably do still have you know stuff to say obviously like it's not just Mm. the marge episodes and the lisa episodes but i think those female characters often get those more sort of bigger issues to deal with yeah definitely and it it makes for very interesting viewing i think on that front i think it's it, in a way it feels quite almost like ahead of its time a little bit in the 90s and it's giving these female characters and, and children a bit more of a platform and it's sort of mm-hmm. giving them a voice and you're paying attention to it you know actually when you think about it that that's um it's quite progressive in a way yeah, I don't think there are many episodes from that time that have, you know, mm. dated really badly because the comedy no. is always really clever. You know, they're not, they're not making lazy jokes. They're not sort of like mm. pointing fingers at anyone and mocking anyone. Um, like I, what, rewatching some episodes over the last few weeks, I think like the vegetarian one 
could have been made yesterday. Like it doesn't mm. feel dated at all and probably was quite progressive at the time because, you know, Lisa has this journey towards becoming a vegetarian and she's yeah. like not the butt of the joke at any point. And I can no. imagine at the time in the 90s, people in general would have probably been quite like, oh, you're a vegetarian. What What's that about? And like, mm. you know, it was probably quite a big deal at the time. And similarly, the one about the sexist talking doll could have been made yesterday, I think. Um, mm. I guess it's kind of testament to how good the writing is and how, you know, a lot of other sitcoms from that time you could probably watch now and feel, oh, God, that hasn't aged well. And mm. I think The Simpsons really stands up very consistently. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd say for the most part, I think it, it does. I mean, like like anything, there'll people I'm sure can think of a couple of examples maybe where they don't agree and fair enough if that's the case. Yeah, there's definitely a few, but like out of, mm. you know, 100 or 200 episodes from yeah. that decade, I think it's like, it's a tiny amount of stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Like, so that, that in itself feels like a bit of an achievement. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think when you look sort of in and around the, the family, I mean, you know, you've got the extended side of it as well. I mean, Bart and Maggie, I think even Maggie's got some of my favourite bits for a character that doesn't say a lot she does get some great moments you know and i quite enjoy the the gag that um i think i can't remember what season i watched up to but there's a point where you see her in the future and the joke is you still don't get to hear her voice (laughs) and i kind of like that they never did that (laughs) yeah that's i think that's a good move and yeah like you said before that episode about her being born basically oh. is very sweet and yeah yeah it gives homer mm. a lot of depth because he's i think the premise in the flashback is that um that homer and marge are kind of happy with how things are with their two children and then mm-hmm. suddenly marge is pregnant again and everything changes and homer's really worried about money and then mm. when Maggie comes into it, oh, there, yeah, that's it. He quits his job at the plant, doesn't yeah, he? And goes yeah. to work in a bowling alley because that's yep. apparently his dream. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's his big dream to work in a bowling alley. And yeah. then when he finds out about the baby on the way, he goes back to the plant for money mm. reasons. And, yeah, that last shot is so sweet with all the, the little photos of Maggie at the desk and the... Uh, do it for her instead yeah. of I think it says something like don't forget you're here forever <laughs> and yeah. he's like blotted out those letters yeah that's right it's I saw a picture of it actually this week funny enough um and I, I got a little misty eye looking at it I was just like oh that's such a perfect way to end that I, for, I forgot that was the emotional beat that that episode ends on and as you say it it gives so much depth to his character mm-hmm it's lovely as well because you've never really seen that part of his desk either so it doesn't no. feel like it's going against anything it's like almost like a reveal like mm. that's what he's been sitting in front of for the last few years that we've been watching him at work yeah exactly and i, I think there's another episode a little later on where they talk about first words and i'm pretty sure that the button at the end of that episode is maggie says dada which is really cute yeah. it's like that's the only other time you hear her speak and it's just that's perfect isn't it great little moments like that yeah, she's adorable. And I think when it comes to Bart, I think in some mm. of the more recent episodes I've seen, it seems like Bart has become a bit like a sort of mini Homer. Like yeah. they're both sort of a bit dumb together. But in the classic era, I think the thing about Bart is that he is quite smart. He mm. just doesn't want to 
do any work at school. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he would rather put his brain power into doing these mad pranks and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's interesting about Bart, really. He isn't just, like, a small version of Homer. He's a lot more intelligent than Homer is, I feel. Like, mm. in the Whacking Day episode, <laughs> it almost makes me feel quite sad how... Because he gets expelled from school, doesn't he? Yeah. So Marge right. starts teaching him at home, and he actually starts to learn things, and yeah. he reads a book, and he actually enjoys it. And it's almost quite, like, a shame when he goes back to school at the end of it, because you know he's just going to go straight back to how he was before. Like, yeah. I guess he's kind of the class clown, isn't he? Mm. Like, he's just playing up in front of all the other kids. Like, as long as there are other people there, he'll just be, like, messing around and not doing any work. Yeah, and I think the legend goes that that's really a, a sort of nod to Matt Groening's real-life childhood in that he was basically <laughs> that kid that was always making stupid jokes and playing around and, you know, doodling like, and drawing. It worked out for him. Well, this is it. I think he famously said in an interview, like, his teacher's always like, oh, you can't make a living out of your doodles and cartoons is like, well... <laughs> <laughs> Look at him now. I was going to say, yeah, well, I, th I think he'd have something to say about it now, but... <laughs> yeah, I was reading the other day about how, like, when he first created the Simpsons family, it was designed to be the sort of antithesis of the perfect American family that was yeah. always in kind of cheesy family sitcoms at the time in the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah, when the show first started... It's weird to think this now, but it was seen as being quite controversial because it was about this dysfunctional family. Mm. And at one point, George Bush Sr., who was president at the time, did a whole speech where he said American families should be more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. Yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> it was so like controversial. The president mentioned it in a speech. And I think particularly in America as well, a lot of kids were, like, forbidden from watching The Simpsons because it was like, oh, they're going to copy Bart. He's a bad influence. Do you know what? I... Yeah, no, sorry. I don't, sorry to cut you off, but that you just you reminded me, that is a conversation I remember parents having. I remember at mm -hmm. school we used to talk about it, you know, and, and there would always be some parents that, or some kids were like, yeah, my mum and dad don't let me watch it. And you're like, oh, why? Yeah. Like, and that was why. Because they it were worried. <laughs> like, I think maybe it was when it started, obviously it started like slightly before I was born. Mm. So I don't really remember this, but I remember a similar conversation going on with South Park, but then that right. makes sense because there's actual, you know, swearing and stuff in South Park. Right. So that makes sense to me as a conversation, but it's, it feels very strange now thinking back to, you know, 1990 and parents yeah. being like, no, you absolutely can't watch The Simpsons. It's like, it's too mm. edgy. <laughs> and I feel like that's something they... They lampooned quite a lot, especially with the characters of like Itchy and Scratchy, for example. The whole reason yeah. they exist is it's it's a satire on the sort of the moral panic of, you know, cartoons and my kid sees this and they're going to want to murder me in my sleep or something like that. Or they're going to start rebelling. Or it's like, I mean, there is a point that, yes, media does have an influence. I, I'm not going to say it doesn't. But also you as a parent have a lot more influence over your children than you think and you know like i mean i grew up watching the simpsons and i you know i did i knew it wasn't okay to do the things that bart was doing you know yeah, i wasn't, I wasn't out okay yeah i wasn't gonna run around with a slingshot and start you know attacking people or if i talk back to my parents i'd soon find out that that was a bad idea so you know <laughs> it's like yeah you can't you can't blame these characters for for kids behavior <laughs> yeah but you can separate reality from a cartoon that you're watching um exactly i think one of my favorite episodes is the one where 
the itchy and scratchy movie comes out. Yes. And Homer has been sort of encouraged to be stricter with Bart and he just mm. completely bans him from seeing the film while it's in cinemas. Yeah. I just I love the opening to that episode because it's parents' evening mm. and obviously Homer is going to see Lisa's teacher and Marge is stuck with going to see Bart's teacher <laughs> to get all the like criticism while Homer's getting all the praise. Yeah. And I, I love Marge. She's so sweet and she has such like faith in Bart, but kind of blind faith really because she, with the teacher, she's being all like, um, oh, you know, I don't think he means to be bad. And then mm. meanwhile, Bart is at home like, right what can i do to be bad and he's yeah. like putting grandpa's dentures in his mouth and like yeah. biting things around the house yeah i love that episode like homer trying to be strict and it mm. just failing and then when he does sort of put his foot down it's almost too far um mm. and then there's a kind of weird flash forward at the end where you find yeah. out that because homer was strict with him and he stuck to the punishment bart has now become chief justice of the supreme <laughs> court yeah yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you've learned your lesson, son. It's yeah. like, <laughs> so good. And there's a kind of running thing uh, in the episode as well where it's like, because I think that job title, it gets mentioned by Mrs. Crabapple and she's kind of like, oh, he can go down one of two paths now. He can become Chief Justice of the Supreme Court or he could sink really low. And in Marge's head, Bart is like a male stripper. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like that's you've got two paths. It's yeah. one or the other. <laughs> it all comes down to like how you discipline him now. Yeah, again, a, a great satire. I think of of that sort of moral panic. It's really, really, really good. Look what your bad egg has done into my teeth, Dad. You and your stories. Bart broke my teeth. The nurses are stealing my money. This thing on my neck is getting bigger. Now this is exactly what Bart's teacher was talking about. Our son did something wrong and you looked the other way. But Marge, look at that hangdog expression. He's learned his lesson. Let's get him a present. Mm, please, Homer, why do I always have to be the bad guy? All right, all right, young man. Since you broke Grandpa's teeth, he gets to break yours. Oh, this is gonna be sweet. No, no, no. Oh, Bart, we're sending you to bed without your supper. Yeah, right. Like you're gonna let me go hungry. I'll be eating that pizza in five minutes. Bart, stop being confident. I'm starving. Somebody bring me some food, quick. I'm a coming, boy. Homer, get back here. Uh, and I love how they kind of, when you sort of spread it out as well from the family into the town of people and the characters, that, yeah, they they all just seem to be kind of parodies and satires on various different things. Now, again, you can argue some have aged better than others, but I think on the whole, it's, I think the supporting cast are arguably just as strong as the family, you know, when you're watching, mm -hmm. especially in that golden period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Flanders works really well as a sort of, a bit of a competition for Homer, even yeah. though yeah. Flanders doesn't care. Flanders doesn't see Homer as competition. It's all right. on Homer's side. Yeah. Um, and it's a sort of weird relationship because he's kind of jealous of Flanders, but he also would never want to be Flanders. Yeah. Like, it's just Homer's sort of insecurity. And, of course, Flanders is just a complete doormat. Like, there's that running joke where Homer <laughs> just keeps borrowing things from him and never yeah. giving it back. <laughs> yeah, I like, think yeah. in the episode where they move, 
Homer is just taking all the stuff with him and Ned yeah. is like, oh, um, are you not going to give that stuff back to me now that you're moving? And he's just mm. like, nope. <laughs> just <laughs> taking it to another town with him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It looks like this constant visual gags were like, yeah, he'll go through a garage or an attic and you just see like Flanders written on something and it's just in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's that one episode, isn't there, where Homer does actually start wanting to be friends with him. Yeah. And then it becomes too much for Ned. Like, it's yes. what he's always wanted. <laughs> like, he's always wanted to be friends with Homer, but then yeah. Homer is just too much and is just always there. And there's, again, another reference that I didn't get when I was a child, mm -hmm. that sort of Terminator thing where he's running after the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had the exact same moment, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's one of those, you've become that, what's that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you're just, like, pointing at the yeah. telly and you're just like, ah, it's the thing, that's the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. That's I think that's amazing. the episode as well where that, I think, where that gif comes from where he's backing into the hedge. I yes. Think that's the same episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that much used gift. It's such a great moment. And yes, isn't that quickly followed by um, Rod and Todd going, Lies make baby Jesus sad. <laughs> <laughs> Those two are great supports to uh, to his family. Like, there's so so many great moments for Ned Flanders. One of my favourite jokes is, I think, the episode where it's called Hurricane Neddy, mm -hmm. where like, his, his, fa his whole house gets destroyed. It's a brilliant episode and you get a little bit of a, a background on him as a secondary character, which is quite an interesting diversion for the show at that time and there's a really good throwaway line where i think marge says to maud uh you know oh don't you have house insurance and she says oh you know ned doesn't believe in insurance he considers it a form of gambling oh yeah <laughs> it's such a Aww. great joke <laughs> bless him and like i know another another episode that people often point to as being like jumping the shark is the one where maud dies yeah, and I, I have I haven't revisited that one since the time. I think it's maybe like season eleven or something. But mm. yeah, that's quite a strange turn of events. I, I um, think that, didn't that have something to do with some like contract disputes with the voice yeah. actor at the time? I think. Yeah, something like a yeah a pay dispute or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, strange. <laughs> Very odd and and a real shame because again, as as a just a supporting character, I think she's brilliant. Sort of like you said, they're, they're this perfect little like super Christian family. And um, as you say, it's like a mirror to Homer and sort of reflects his insecurity at the dysfunction of his own. And it works so well. Um, yeah. They're back and forth. In one of the episodes I watched the other day, um, they're having like an AA meeting and Ned is there. And you're thinking, why is he there? And he, it's because he, he drank one glass of blackberry schnapps i think he says yeah. <laughs> and there's a little flashback where he, he's drunk and he says something mildly rude to maud like really not rude at all and he's remembering and remembering it and he's going like i was more animal than man <laughs> that's right <laughs> like he's gone to, he's gone to aa for that reason <laughs> yeah that's right bless him my name is ned hello ned it's been 4,000 days since my last drink. It was my first and last Blackberry Schnapps. Ned, did you clip Ann Landers today? <laughs> Ann Landers is a boring old biddy. <gasps> Ned! I was more animal than man. <laughs> oh, I was like, I've never seen to remember one where Homer tries to spray him with a hose pipe and it freezes and he picks it off and goes, mm, my favorite plane. <laughs> Just stuff oh. like that. I also like the joke that he's like super jacked as well. Like yeah. it's one of the greatest moments in Simpsons, I think, is him wearing the ski 
the uh, the skiing outfit and just saying, feels like nothing at all, nothing at all. <laughs> and Homer can't stop picturing it. Yeah. <laughs> the line, stupid, sexy Flanders, has been thrown around in my house many times to make us all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, diddly ho, shuts in boots. <gasps> Flanders? That suit's a little revealing, isn't it? Well, it allows for maximum mobility. Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Quit it! Must wash eyes! Uh-oh. Okay, don't panic. Remember what the instructor said. If you ever get into trouble, all you need to do is... Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all! <laughs> Stupid sexy Flanders! I'm going to be spicing in so many clips, by the way. Like, I've already planned it. I'm just going to be on YouTube for hours after this. Just... <laughs> Something, there's moments. so many good moments when i was watching episodes the other day and like mm. making notes with some episodes it felt like i was writing down every other line because it's just so consistent mm. and good yes like you said like that that early stuff it felt it feels like nothing was wasted right like they really thought about what each character could say and there's like there's so many jokes and so many setups and yeah just the jokes amazing. are really layered absolutely and, it, and it's you know they spread them out evenly which was nice as well it, it was always the thing of even any of the supporting characters could come in at any moment and just say something that would just bore you over and you would not see it coming. It was absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant. Mm -hmm. I think Mr. Burns is definitely a oh, favourite. Yes. Just yeah. I love the running joke that he can never remember who Homer is. Yeah. Even though he's had so many run-ins with the Simpsons family that yeah. you would definitely remember like running over Bart and things like that. He's just got no memory of any of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was sort of famously like a, a parody of um, uh, Rupert Murdoch, I think, at the time. And <laughs> and again, that's kind of the Simpsons classic thing of biting the hand that feeds them, you know, having a pop yeah. at Fox any chance they got. And yeah, you're right. This uh, burns definitely some of the best stuff. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier the legalized gambling episode. Yeah, and there's a he whole becomes like Howard Hughes. He becomes Howard yeah. Hughes. <laughs> I remember that bit where it's like he's. He talks about, like, get in the in the spruce goose. And it's, like, just a little wooden <laughs> plane in his hands. And Smithers just like, uh, no. And he's like, get in. And just brings yeah, a gun. Yeah, he's, he's, like, got a gun on him. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I said, hop in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my beloved plant. How I miss her. Bah! To hell with this. Get my razor. Draw a bath. Get these Kleenex boxes off my feet. Certainly, sir. And, uh. Jars of urine? Oh, we'll hang on to those. Now, to the plant. We'll take the spruce moose. Hop in. But, sir. I said hop in. Oh, um, absolutely the, incredible. <laughs> oh, there's that bit where um, Homer's gone away on like a work trip and he's trying mm. to charge room service to the company. And then this alarm goes off in Burns's office and mm. he's got like. Like from the Wizard of Oz, those sort of like flying monkeys <laughs> where he's fly like, my pretties. <laughs> someone's charging room service to the company and they don't fly. They just like plummet to the ground yeah. and he just sort of <laughs> turns to Smithers and goes, continue the research. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Those stuff like that so much. Like those jokes mm. just about how evil Mr. Burns is in that cartoonish way. Fly my pretties. Fly. Continue the research. Yeah, they just they have so much fun with it. Um and I and him him and Smithers as like a as a comedy duo work so well together. There's so much good stuff. 
Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, with Smithers, Smithers, it feels like sometimes he's sort of doing everything that Burns says, but he does sometimes try to sort of pull him back from going too far a little bit. Like he's almost the voice of reason. But mm. at the same time, he would just follow Mr. Burns into hell and do anything <laughs> for him to please him. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's that episode where um, yeah, Smithers goes away and then Homer becomes his assistant oh, yeah. and you realise there's this very codependent relationship there. It's more than just being a butler, <laughs> which is which is very... It's really funny. It's a good reveal. And, I, I mean, that's some great burn stuff right there as well. What was it he says when he gives him donuts? I don't like ethnic food. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what did he just say? <laughs> yeah, Smithers is just everything to him and he just doesn't appreciate it. No. <laughs> Poor Smithers. I wonder, um, do, you, do you have any other favourite characters? I mean, now that we're on this... Um, so I guess we've talked about all of the main family, really. I love Mo. I oh, love how yeah. you never really know what's going on with him. It's always implied that he's involved in lots of kind of shady activities. Yeah. Like there's one point where he's got a load of pandas in the back room of the bar. Yeah. And then at another point they go back there and there's a whale that's being like <laughs> hosed down. <laughs> and he sort of gets a phone call from the FBI about something unrelated and he's like, oh my God, they know. We have to get the whale out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's another reference to like the deer hunter at one point with Mo, like that's <laughs> going on in the back of his bar. And just like He said all this weird shady stuff and... I heard something the other day, someone pointed out, and I, I'm not, I have to rewatch the series to see if this is a running gag or not, because there's a, there's a through line that he, you know, he fancies Marge. But, mm, Midge, yeah. But yeah, that's it. He calls her Midge. And it's like, does he not know her name? Is that is that a joke <laughs> in the series? I can't remember. Yeah, it's, I've, just, I've noticed it in a few episodes where, like, he's round at the house and he's like, oh, you got a lovely home, Midge, and things like that. Yeah, I was like, I have to rewatch it to see if he ever calls her Marge. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they've kept that up until the present day throughout 30 seasons. I wonder if that's still a running joke. I would love it if it is. That would, that would be and... some credit to them if they've managed that. Hello. Oh, what are you doing here? What? What, a bartender can't come by and say hi to his best customer? Hey, how you there, Midge? Oh, gee, I like what you've done to your hair. You caught me at a real bad time, Mo. I hope you understand I'm too tense to pretend I like you. Yeah, and how are the little kids doing? I mean, really, how are they doing? Any disabling injuries? Something, say, that the gambling community might not yet know about? Come here, let me see those knees. Mo, I think you should leave. But, Blanche, you gotta help me out here, please. I'm 64 grand in the hole. They're gonna take my dog. And um, Flaming Moe's is a really good episode oh, as well. Like, see, yes. I think that's the point in season three where it starts to get really kind of like good and like, oh, that's a classic episode. Um, and yeah, I rewatched this one the other day and I didn't yeah. realise how many references to Cheers are in it. Yes. Because I yeah. knew there was some, like I knew there's the whole little song, which is like a parody of the Cheers theme tune. But it completely didn't click with me before that there's like a woman who randomly starts working with Mo at the bar. Yeah. And she is literally just Diane from Cheers. Yeah, and I didn't right. realize that as a child because I'd never seen it. Yeah. And watching it, I've been watching Cheers a little bit over the last few months, like recording it off Channel 4 in the morning. Oh, cool. Because um, I'm a massive Frasier fan, but I'd never seen Cheers before. Ah. Um, so, yeah, when I watched Flaming Mo's the other day, I was like, it all makes sense now. That's why this random woman is here. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Mo is saying really pervy things to her, which seem out of character, but it's because of that whole dynamic in Cheers. It's almost like a parody where it's kind of like, if Mo was saying the things 
that Ted Danson was saying and yeah. shares, you would be like, oh, what a creep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm pretty sure, isn't that the don't, um, Aerosmith turn up as well at one point? Yeah. There's that great line where it's like, hello, St. Louis. And it's like, it's Springfield. And it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or he, um, and then at the end, I think, yeah, doesn't the episode end with Homer doing a Phantom of the Opera parody? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, revealing what the secret ingredient is. Yeah. Um, cough syrup. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mo is just finished. I can't believe that's season three. I'm just having a look at the episodes yeah. now. and like, yeah, that's wow. Absolutely wow. Another one there, um, sort of going back a little bit, is one of my favourite episodes is uh, talking about Flanders, when Flanders failed, isn't that when he has the Leftorium? Is that the one? Um, yes, yeah, the, left, yes. the Leftorium. Great episode. Absolutely amazing. Just Yeah. I think season three is where, in one and two, it's mainly about the family, and occasionally there's, like, a Burns episode or something. But yeah. I think season three is where they sort of branch out a little bit into exploring the other characters. Like, there's a Mo episode, there's mm. a Flanders episode... And it's just, like, consistently brilliant. I think another one in season three that I really like, I think it's season three, is um, Radio Bart, where he gets that microphone for his birthday, which, like, hooks up to a radio. So he puts the radio (laughs) down a well and pretends to be a little boy who's trapped down there. (laughs) And then then obviously the kind of twist is that he tries to retrieve it so he falls down the well himself. Mm. And when the town find out, they don't care because they were, like, in love with the fictional little boy down the well called, like, Timmy O'Toole. That's right. And then when they find out it was all a prank and Bart is now actually down the well, they're kind of like you know screw him yeah i think i think mayor quimby does a speech where he says i say let him stay down there <laughs> yeah. and the town are like yeah yeah and isn't there like a there's also a parody and a reference to um like do they know it's christmas um, yeah sting is in it yeah, yeah and sting like, and is doing like a band-aid sort of that's right about yeah like sending our love down the well <laughs> there's a hole in my heart Deep as the well for that poor little boy who's stuck halfway to hell. Though we can't get him out, we'll do the next best thing. Then go on TV and sing, sing, sing. And we're sending our love down the well. All the way down. We're sending our love down the well. Down that well. I'm pretty sure it doesn't end with, with Sting digging. And he's like, I can't, yeah. I can't let one of my fans down here. And he's like, I don't think he's ever played. He's like, shut up. He's a really good <laughs> digger. <laughs> yeah, Homer has to physically dig him out himself because the town are just like, I think there's a joke as well about how none of the police officers in Springfield mm. are like slim enough to fit down the well and rescue him. <laughs> and Chief Wiggum is like, you're all pigs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's so much good stuff. I'm even just scrolling... Um, we mentioned Spinal Tap earlier. That's the Otto show. So that's an Otto episode yes, in season three. True, so. Yeah, I think um, Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz oh, deser- deserve a lot of credit. Absolutely. Who obviously, voiced by the same person, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Hartman, who's unfortunately, I mean, I can't remember which season he passed away in. Maybe it was like nine or ten or something. Maybe that was the beginning uh, of the end. Those two characters weren't in it anymore. Um, yes no absolutely you're right yeah so i think i mentioned him in a in a previous episode he was in the show called uh news radio and oh yeah yeah an absolute legend of comedy 
and like you say, unfortunately died in really tragic circumstances. And yeah, you're right. I think if you, if you sort of think about some of the more iconic secondary characters in the show, Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure are up there, aren't they? Of just some yeah. of the most hilarious moments in the show. It's always like a treat when they show up. Yeah. They're not, they yeah. don't come up that often. Like just i've written down like some of the names of the movies that troy mcclaw <laughs> yeah, starred in please There's do <laughs> christmas ape and christmas ape goes to summer camp <laughs> Uh, there's one called Today We Kill, Tomorrow We Die. Um, <laughs> so good. The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes he'll just show up in like a public information film where yeah. you get the impression it's probably like community service or something. Yeah, yeah. Like in the vegetarian episode, mm -hmm. he's in a video about... I think it's like a meat council video or something. Yes. And yeah. none of it makes sense. There's a bit where he like looks at the camera and goes if a cow ever got the chance he'd eat you and everyone you care about yeah. <laughs> it's just like troy what are you doing <laughs> why are you, like drive driver safety videos as well there's one called yes Al alice's adventures through the windshield glass <laughs> <laughs> i think that might be my favorite one <laughs> it's amazing isn't it it's so so good and like the whole isn't it there's an episode where he dates is it is selma, it selma? Yeah. And he does the whole Planet of the Apes musical, <laughs> which is just, oh, I'm going to put some songs in because there's some iconic yeah. moments from that. That episode yeah. alone is just incredible. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. <laughs> Yeah, the iconic line, um, I hate every ape I see from chimpan A to chimpanzee. <laughs> it's just better than any line in any musical ever. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, whenever there are songs in The Simpsons, they are really well written. Like, you can tell a lot of effort's been put in. Like, I think the beginning of season nine, there's an episode where they mm. go to New York and yeah. some of them go to see a musical about the Betty Ford Clinic. Yeah. And again, like, those are really, like, catchy musical theatre songs where they're all just like, I'm checking in. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, just so good. Yeah. Is it, isn't it Henry Bart's like, when I grow up, I want to go to the Betty Ford Clinic. And yeah. Marge is like, you've got to save up. It's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, the whole episode that's a musical version of a streetcar named Desire. Yes. Which, oh. again... Never seen a streetcar named Desire. My mm. knowledge of it is purely from this one episode of The Simpsons where it's a musical, <laughs> which I, I understand is a sort of joke because it's quite like a serious like play or film. It's a very it? serious play. Yeah, it deals. And with they've some... done a musical of it where they're like New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the kindness of strangers and. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like the ending, isn't it? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not what the ending of no, the original thing. It's is. really not. Or like the whole. Stella and like Ned Flanders going, can't you see you're putting me through hell? And it turns into yeah. like a little jazzy number and you're like, that's that's not what that's about at all. But and Marge can't sing at all. No. But she's the lead, bless her. No, yeah, it's, but it's so good. That, that episode is just, I mean, there's so many, isn't it? I mean, do, do you have a favourite episode? You must have like a top five or ten or something. Yeah, it's hard. It kind of changes all the time, really. Um, 
like I said before, I think one of my favorites is the one about the itchy and scratchy movie that really mm. made me laugh when I rewatched it the other day. Um, the monorail episode has to be <gasps> up there. Oh my god, isn't that a? Um, I think that's a Phil Hartman character, isn't it? Yes, yeah. uh, Lyle Lanley again, another yeah. brilliant song that's yeah. like a musical parody. Monorail. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, there's nothing on earth like a genuine, bona fide, electrified six-car monorail. What I say? Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. That's right, monorail. 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 I hear those things are awfully loud. It glides as softly as a cloud. Is there a chance the trap could bend? Not on your life, my Hindu friend. What about us brain-dead slobs? You'll be given cushy jobs. Were you sent here by the devil? No good, sir. I'm on the level. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my penknife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. What's it called? Once again. Mom, the spoken. And yet Marge just being the only sensible person in the town because she wants to use the money to like fix Main Street and the whole town is like, no, we're gonna give it to this con man to build a monorail. That's right. <laughs> It's so good. And like Leonard Nimoy turns up at the end just for yeah. no reason. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of my favorite guest stars because he's in another episode as well, isn't he? There's like a sort of X Files yes. parody episode. Yeah. Which, With Mr. Yeah, Burns and... who glows in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember which one this is in, but yeah, in one of them, Leonard Nimoy is like, well, my work here is done. And I think it's Barney says to him, you didn't do anything. And he goes, didn't I? And then he just like disappears. <laughs> <laughs> Such a strange like character. It's it's so good. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you just reminded me talking about sci-fi and all of that. Uh, there's the episode where um, Homer becomes, uh, oh, what's his name? I've, I've blanked on the, the mayor's name. Quimby. Quimby, thank you. Um, who I've since found out is a, a very thinly veiled parody of uh, JFK. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you sort of look at the history of JFK and who he was, uh, JFK and who he was as a person, and then you watch The Simpsons and Mayor Quimby, you're like, oh, okay, no, they got that spot on. Um, yeah, but in, yeah. Um, in one of the episodes <laughs> I watched the other day, there's a bit where I think it's where Maggie's being born in the hospital or something. Yeah. Um, Mayor Quimby's in there, like, and a baby's being delivered and he's holding it. And when the doctor goes, um, sir, I think your wife would like to hold the baby. He's like, my wife? Where? And, like, runs <laughs> off. Yeah. It's clearly, like, some sort of mistress having this baby. Yeah. And um, that, that is that episode, yeah, where Homer becomes his bodyguard, which is obviously a, ref a parody of the bodyguard. Mm -hmm. But then you get Mark Hamill, um, just as oh, himself yeah. and, and talking about you know musical numbers and he's doing what's that a song like luke be a jedi tonight yeah. <laughs> and it's guys and dolls but it's with mark hamill as luke skywalker and it's just it's so oh. stupid yeah mark hamill's always good value he is an amazing voice actor if anyone doesn't know like look up what he's done it's phenomenal work but yeah it's just that's that's another one isn't it a great use of uh, of an of a uh, of cameo from an actor there be a Jedi tonight. Just be a Jedi tonight. Do it for Yoda while we serve our guests a soda. Uh, and do it for Chewie and the Ewoks. 
and all the other puppets. Luke, be a Jedi tonight. I think another episode that's a favourite is um, You Only Move Twice, the one with um, Hank Scorpio. Uh, yeah. Again, Albert, Albert Brooks is a really yep. great sort of recurring like he plays a few different characters throughout the show, doesn't yes. he? Um, and yeah. in the movie as well. Um, yeah, that's just a great episode because it's just purely about the family and everyone has their own little story going on in this new town that they've moved to. Home is the only one who's actually having a good time for a change. Yeah. Like I, I love the detail that Marge starts drinking because she, um, like the house is now a self-cleaning house. Yeah, so yeah. she's got nothing to do, and she's being kind of like modest about like, um, oh yeah, I've been drinking a glass of wine a day. I mean, I know the doctors say you should drink more than that, but I just can't drink that much. Yeah, <laughs> it's like she's got a drinking problem, but she's still only drinking a glass a day. She can't cope with any more. Bless her. Isn't it? And um, Bart puts gets put in a remedial class. <laughs> it's just yeah. surrounded by weirdos. <laughs> I always um one of the, another random like thing that comes in my head every now and then is that kid that's like, I'm from Canada and they think I'm slow, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and another little kid is just like, I start fire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's so good. Like yeah, that the whole like Bond parody that's just in the background of that episode mm-hmm. is just so funny. Just like Homer taking down James Bond at one point at random. <laughs> Obliviously. <laughs> yeah, no idea what's going on. And Any sugar around here? Try in there, Homer. Hi, Homer. I'm keeping two of my fingers crossed that you're going to have that nuclear generator up to full power by tomorrow. Uh, yes, sir. No problemo. Good. By the way, Homer, what's your least favorite country? Italy or France? France. <laughs> Nobody ever says Italy. I never noticed this office before. Why should you? It's mine. Uh, you any sugar around here? Sugar? Sure. Here you go. Sorry, it's not in packages. Want some cream? Uh, no. Even at the end, isn't it, where he comes to have a talk with him and it's like a full-on war going on in the background and he's just completely yeah. unaware of what's happening. Yeah, and as he's leaving, Hank is kind of like, Homer, if you want to kill anyone on the way out, that would be really helpful. <laughs> i got to say, I, I feel like actually when, it, when you talk about the movie, I think that was a missed opportunity because um, they got Albert Brooks back and he plays a new character and he's fun. He's great. He's, he's Albert Brooks. He's a, a great actor, but I feel like they should have made that character, Hank Scorpio, that would have been such a great return. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't, because it's a similar sort of, like, villain character, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose, I guess maybe because he was, like, friends with Homer. I don't know. It, it just could have been but... a fun twist, and it's like, he's there, he's already, just just do that. But, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I, I, like that they got, I like that they got him back from the film, though, because mm. um, they could have just, like, cast a sort of big, like you know, Hollywood star, like, yeah. in that. I mean, I know Albert Brooks is a star, but you know what I mean? Like a bigger yeah. name, but they decided to bring him back and like, yeah, Tom Hanks is a cameo in the film, but only has a few lines. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I remember when that film came out, I was really, I was at the time really excited about the Green Day appearance. And oh, yeah. was a little bit disappointed when it was only like 30 seconds. <laughs> at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> but still, it was fun. It was fine. And uh, what, do you, yeah. what do you think of the movie, actually? Yeah, I rewatched it this week for the first time in ages and I think it's really good. I think it works because 
like we were talking about before, it's got this big, like, overarching story where Springfield's been covered up with a massive dome because it's so polluted. But at the heart of it is really about the family and about, like, you know, Homer's done this terrible thing. They have to leave town. Is Marge going to forgive him? Marge decides to leave him at some point. I think they have a good balance. And I think they did get back a lot of the original writers as well, which might be why it has that sort of feel to it as well. Yeah. Um, Because I think by that point they were up to like season 20 on TV or something like that, which I wasn't watching anymore, but I was Mm. very excited about the film and it didn't let me down. I remember watching it in like a packed cinema and like having a really good time. Yeah, I'd same. And funny enough, my my wife um, absolutely loves the film. Like she, (laughs) she saw, she remembers she got it on DVD shortly afterwards and watched it so much to the point where her mum hid it. (laughs) She was sick of hearing it. (laughs) So, yeah, it's one of our, like, go-to films if you want to, you know, you want to cheer yourself up and, like, okay, I'll put this on. It's either that or The Road to El Dorado, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a really funny visual joke that I had in my head, but I'd forgotten it was from the film. Mm. Like, I thought it was from the TV show where the dome is, like, coming over the town, so everyone thinks, like, the world is ending. And there's a shot where everyone from Moe's goes into the church and everyone from the church goes into Moe's. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, the world's ending and they're just, like, swapping places. I think that's, like, one of the best, like, visual gags in the show or in the movie, rather. Yeah. I'm kind of... Well, I'm not surprised because it makes a lot of money, this show now, but I kind of would have thought they would have ended it there at some point. But I know that you the series so, carries yeah. on from there, from what I've been told. Yeah, I mean... I can't even imagine a world where it ends because I think for it to end, it would have to lose a lot of viewers. Because, mm. I mean, I think that's the only reason it's carrying on. Like, millions of people are still watching it. So, you know, fair enough, might as well carry on with it. You know, it's earning people money. Um, like, the only scenario where I can imagine it getting cancelled is if the viewership really drops. And I wonder mm. if it's just going to carry on forever. Like, I wonder if it's going to end in our lifetime i, I can't yeah, see it i'm i'm with you there i yeah i don't know especially now it's on disney plus at the minute so it wouldn't i can't imagine it would cost them an awful lot just to even if they just moved it on there and just had mm. it as a feature of that service and just kind of went yeah it's just gonna pop up on there because like you say people will still watch it mm. it's kind of like safe family viewing nowadays mm. really like again weird you know considering where it started it was seen as very kind of subversive and like edgy and now it's like oh i'll stick the kids in front of the simpsons um i actually i watched a few episodes on disney plus the other day from the latest season that's on there all right um purely for this podcast doing my research well thank you i I watched i watched five episodes altogether so this is season 32 right and i i enjoyed one of them I really dislike two of them and I found two of them kind of mediocre. Mm. Like that was the balance really. Like the one that I actually quite enjoyed is called Podcast News. Okay. Um, (laughs) And I think the reason why it works is because it's different. Like presumably The Simpsons has probably not covered podcasts as a topic before. Um, The plot is that 
Lisa gets addicted to true crime podcasts, and then <laughs> and then um, Marge starts listening that, to them because she wants to check they're appropriate for Lisa, and Marge gets addicted to them as well. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of happens is that like the whole town is listening to podcasts all the time. Grandpa suddenly gets accused of murder, and so because no one's watching the news anymore, Kent Brockman starts a podcast about it (laughs) called Guilty Grandpa. And so he's like going around the town and interviewing people for this true crime podcast. And I just, I thought it worked well because it's like a a new topic. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much just a load of jokes about podcasting. And Mm -hmm. most of them are pretty decent jokes. Um, Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not like rehashing an old story. I think that's mm. why I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, if anyone wants to watch like a new episode of Simpsons, I would recommend checking that out, particularly mm-hmm. if you like podcasts. I was going to say, <laughs> um, I'm definitely checking that one out after this. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like amazing, but I enjoyed mm. it and I got a few laughs. Like there's a bit where like grandpa has been listening to the podcast about him. And he's been listening to it so much that he's become convinced that he is guilty. <laughs> so he goes and hands himself in and Chief Wiggum is like, oh, spoilers, I only just started listening to that podcast. <laughs> like quite, quite cool, quite funny. And like That's quite great. like a bit of a commentary as well on like the ethics of, you know, true crime podcasts. Like the, there's one bit where Marge and Lisa go to like a live podcast recording <laughs> and the podcaster is like talking, you know, about like a horrific murder, and the audience are all like, "Woo!" <laughs> like that sort of vibe. It's uh, yeah, I like that one. But then there were two that I really hated as well, mm. sort of like around it. Um, one I looked up afterwards, and it's actually like one of the absolutely lowest rated episodes of all time. Ah, that's um, a shame. so yeah, I wanted to see what other people thought, and yeah, it's called now museum now you don't okay i'm just gonna scroll down see if i can find it yeah so i've written down the plot summary on imdb is Uh lisa stays home from school and fantasizes about the history of western art oh what a barrel of laughs (laughs) yeah that sounds great i guess i think looking at like more recent seasons it seems to be a bit of a thing they do now where they'll do like historical settings like Mm. like literally out of those five episodes i watched two of them had historical settings one of them was set in ancient rome yeah and one of them was like this art history episode where lisa is leonardo da vinci like i don't know it, it's mm. it feels very like they're running out of ideas then they're like hmm, let's set an episode in ancient greece <laughs> and let's yeah. set an episode in this historical period where all the characters are playing historical figures mm. like it seems like a thing they do now which is uh yeah it wasn't very entertaining to me particularly mm. the art one like i i thought it was a bit of like nonsense really and i don't know what kids would have thought of it because i didn't yeah. get the references well that, that's the thing isn't it is yeah especially when you're doing parody and references you, that is coming back to what we were saying earlier like the early days of this got a really good balance of stuff that parents and adults would get i mean when you consider that they were referencing things like you know cape fear terminator these are films that came out in like the 90s or the 80s so mm. a lot of adults would be it's quite contemporary and the way people go oh yeah i've seen that i get it Whereas, as you say, kids wouldn't, but there would be stuff for them to understand. There would still be something really funny yeah. or silly in the middle. 
so yeah if you're just if you're just telling a story of history or you're going here's a celebrity or here's us just riffing an entire film beat for beat it's not it's not a lot to work with there is there it's not a lot for us to get invested in and to enjoy yeah it just it feels like a different show and Mm. although one joke that did make me laugh out loud was um in the ancient rome episode Mm. there's a bit where like bart becomes an emperor don't ask um (laughs) and the, the the narrator says like he dissolved the Senate and then you see he's literally like pouring acid on a load of senators to literally <laughs> dissolve them. And that made me laugh out loud. I right. enjoyed that line. <laughs> and, and again, the narrator is played by Michael Palin for no reason <laughs> other than to have a guest star. Uh, fair enough, I guess. <laughs> and the other one I really didn't like was, um, it's called The Seven Beer Itch and it guest stars Olivia Coleman oh. as a woman who falls in love with Homer Oh. And I, I was wondering, <laughs> I like, ooh, oh. mm. <laughs> I was wondering, like, at this point in the show, I wonder how many times Homer and Marge have like nearly had affairs. It must be like thirty times. Yeah, and it's, it's something that you know they they played around with a couple of episodes, didn't they, in the early days? But it's again, it's like if you break them up, then that's that's kind of you've ruined the dynamic of the family and. It's a hard thing, isn't it? Like you, something you said earlier, I thought was a really good point. Was when you get Marge episodes, you tend to feel a bit more sorry for her. Doesn't paint Homer in the best of light, mm-hmm. but he always comes back around with like a thoughtful gesture, or at least tries to grow a little bit. And that's the whole point of of it, isn't it? Their marriage, their relationship. It's not, it's not unhappy. It can be a bit dysfunctional at times, but it's not. They're not miserable together, or they're not breaking up or cheating on each other. I feel like if you do that, that's a step too far. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's yeah. you can't really get them back to the status quo at the end of an episode, or at least I don't think so. Anyway, yeah, I think in like the sort of classic era, it was you know it was a plot that would come up every now and again, and I think it kind of kept things interesting a bit because you know they don't have a perfect marriage and. That is more like real life, you know. It's not a sort mm. of cheesy family sitcom where the parents sort of love each other no matter what. You know, they right. do get annoyed with each other, particularly Marge getting annoyed with Homer, you know, understandably. Mm. Um, and I think that it keeps it interesting. But then, yeah, when you've had like 30 seasons and, you know, God knows how many potential affairs happening, <laughs> like mm. it's, uh, yeah. And this Olivia Coleman character just didn't really have much to her like again it just feels like oh we've got academy award winner olivia coleman appearing in tonight's episode make sure you tune in and then Mm. the character itself like i can't remember any particularly funny lines that she had she kept bursting into song and the songs weren't funny Mm. just yeah very odd like i think the nearly having an affair plot i guess kind of loses its edge after like 30 years where it just keeps happening yeah i suppose really the sort of good thing in all of this is that you can always go back right and you have got that that golden era and there's so much to mine for it you know there's Mm -hmm. there's still stuff i mean we're talking about it as we've just really touched on a few episodes i mean when you look at the first up to what was it you said season season eight season nine arguably that's nearly 200 episodes Mm-hmm. and there's some incredible and that's stuff being, like not that generous either because you mm. could probably watch like season 12 and it's probably still really great like sure you know, i'm not yeah. i'm not sort of being strict about like 
season nine starts and it immediately becomes terrible it's more like a sort of gradual shift Mm. in like the tone of the show and the kind of priorities um like you know some people might say oh yeah it's really great up until season 14 and then it becomes bad it's kind of up to the individual really where they want to watch up to but Mm. i don't know many people who are kind of original fans who would say oh yeah it's still just as good now no. <laughs> it's still kept up the standard no i think you're right it's it has it's definitely been a shift and as, as you say it's probably a lot of it's down to the writers and people changing and you know i'm just looking through some of the list of people now and a lot of them have moved on i mean one one name that leaps out at me as a huge office fan and parks and rec fan is greg daniels you know the famous yeah. the showrunner and writer he was on this and obviously he would have left sort of late nineties and has gone on to do incredible things since. And I think a lot of the other writers have done something similar. I don't think Mm -hmm. many of them have stayed on. So when that happens, it kind of makes sense that the tone and the, the stories and everything start to shift. Cause ultimately that's what's at the heart of this, isn't it? That's kind of what made it such a huge cultural sensation is it was just a family and you could sort of, you could tune in, you could enjoy the jokes, you can enjoy all the, all the references and, the, and all the rest of it. But it was a family of people that you could be invested in. And that's what kept you coming back every week. Yeah, definitely. And the town is so lovable. I, I really love Parks and Recreation. I think that has a slightly mm. Simpsons-y feel to it, how it's yeah. like this fictional town everyone who lives there is a weirdo they have all these like <laughs> crazy town hall meetings yeah. like it feels very simpsonsy to me and i think yeah that's kind of it's carrying it on like what the simpsons used to be like you can see the influences there definitely yeah and do you know i feel like it's something that hasn't been beaten in terms of its impact of pop culture i know you you can point now to certain shows and say oh, i think this is doing well i mean a modern example that comes to my mind is something like bob's burgers i say that's probably you know in terms of quality is sort of on a level now but it's nowhere near as big as the simpsons and as i don't do you think a show ever will be as big as this probably not because we live in such a different world now where there are there's just so much tv yeah in all these different sources you know, back then it was like, like I said, you'd get home from school and you'd just stick the telly on and watch The Simpsons at 6pm. Mm-hmm. And now there's YouTube and streaming platforms. Like, I don't think any show is going to be that big ever again. Like, possibly Game of Thrones was the last one where it felt like loads of people were watching it and talking about it. Right. But now it kind of feels like it's a lot more disparate, like, I could go into work and say, oh, I'm watching these five shows at the moment and everyone in work could have five different shows that they're watching and we've got nothing to talk about. Mm. Um, There's just, yeah, there's so much TV. The quality is really good, but there's just so much and Simpsons is still going on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I think I I just, you can't really, I think, undersell the impact that this has had on on pop culture the way it's changed i think how we look at you know animation how we look at comedy and the fact that we can sit here now and we can laugh and reference different episodes and jokes from things that aired coming up to 30 years ago (laughs) and it and we know it people know it beat for beat you know there's certain phrases and references and things you can say and people will go oh i know exactly what that is you know, I get that. Yeah. I get that reference. And I mean, that's 
incredible when you think about it for a show to have that kind of impact 30 years on and yeah you can you can make a niche reference in a room and you can guarantee at least five or six people will start chuckling and they'll know exactly what you're talking about yeah i could have whole conversations with my dad that are just simpsons references (laughs) same yeah exactly exactly and yeah yeah i think for a lot of us it was just like it really kind of shaped our sense of humor growing up precisely um and like you were saying before, influencing other people, a lot of like people who are now comedy writers will have probably grown up watching it and it's shaped them and, mm. you know, what they write now. Um, you know, other animated shows that came after it, like South Park and Family Guy mm. wouldn't have existed without The Simpsons. Yeah, just changed everything, really. And it's strange that it's still going, but we've always got those classic episodes, you know, hundreds of them to go back to and you're guaranteed to laugh like consistently for about 20 minutes exactly yeah so i mean sophie is there anything else you want to talk about uh with the simpsons i feel like we've covered a lot but was there anything else you had written down or noted we could be here all day really. i think there's there's just yeah, yeah so many episodes yeah i wrote down a few just a little short thing to end on i wrote down yeah. a few quotes that i just think about all the time oh, they just pop do. into my head like I was saying booers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was one of my absolute favourites. <laughs> Smithies, are they booing me? Uh, no, they're saying booerns. Booerns. Are you saying boo or booerns? I was saying booerns. I call the big one bitey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A gif that I use quite a lot uh. is where um, Barney wins the lifetime supply of beer and goes, just hook it to my veins. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, <it's> so good. <laughs> I've learned I have a gift to share with the world. From now on, there'll be a new Barnard Gumble. Hardworking, clean and sober. Congratulations, Barney, and enjoy your grand prize, a lifetime supply of duff beer. Oh! Just hook it to my veins! Another gif that I use quite a bit is where, um, like, The Simpsons is a very gifable show. I'm oh, not yeah. sure why. Like, there's so many good reactions to things, like, where uh, Krusty's ratings are going down. So, Itchy and Scratchy has moved to another show and they've replaced it with some sort of weird eastern european cartoon yeah called work and at the end of the cartoon it just cuts to crusty who's smoking a cigarette and he just goes what the hell was that (laughs) (laughs) just that's another amazing episode crusty gets cancelled yeah Um, yeah and a really a really weird mix of guest stars Mm -hmm. like the red hot chili peppers johnny carson hugh hefner (laughs) but it really works um (laughs) And yeah, last quote that I think I've got written down is um, when Homer's beating up the crusty burglar and a little crying kid just goes, stop, stop, he's already dead. (laughs) I think about that like weekly. Same, Uh, to a point where I almost forgot that was from The Simpsons. (laughs) I just had that in my head and I was like, what is that from? And then you look it up and you go, yeah, like all good things, pop culture, it's from The Simpsons. That's where. It's so dark. Brilliant. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on, Sophie. I've loved this, and you're right. This could easily be like a four or five hour discussion, Um, (laughs) and it would just it would just 
do exactly what we've just done. It would just dissolve into references and quotes and wouldn't even be a conversation anymore, but it would still be fun. <laughs> uh, so before that happens, um, where can the good people find you then? Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at it's Sophie Davis um, and Davis is IES. Um, and I have two TV related podcasts. One of them is called Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, which is about the work of Julia Davis. Uh-huh. And the other one is called It's an S Pod Thing, where I'm basically re-watching every episode of S Club 7's TV show with a different guest joining me for each one to kind of dissect the madness of it. That's incredible. I think I was messaging you on Twitter about that. And I'm glad you're doing it. I love a niche podcast for one thing, but also I was like... Someone needs to do it. <laughs> the world needed it. <laughs> it was one of those, I saw you put it up and I went, oh yeah, I did see that. That was a thing. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely link to the uh, all of that in the show notes for people to go and find you and find those podcasts. I highly recommend them both. And all that's really left to say is just thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And there we have it. A massive thank you to Sophie for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of The Simpsons with us all. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you did, make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, do all that good stuff for the podcast and share this episode in particular. If you do, we'd love to hear from you, both myself and Sophie. You've got our social medias linked in the bio. You can let us know what you think. If you have a particular favourite character or moment or quote, from the simpsons then by all means share that with us as well again both of our social medias are linked in the show notes for you to find i would also encourage you to go and check out sophie's podcasts i mean just for the titles alone smash prawns in a milky basket and it's an s pod thing they're fantastic not only in name but in premise again i've linked both of those in the show notes for you go and find them Make sure you give them a follow and a listen. And again, let Sophie know that you've done so. I'm sure she'd greatly appreciate your support and feedback. All that's left to do is say a massive thank you to you guys for listening to this episode. If you're new to the podcast, then please feel free to check out the previous episodes. There's over 50 now to go back and listen to. You can like, subscribe, tell a friend, all that good stuff. It goes a really long way to helping me out as an independent podcaster. If you want to go that one step further, of course, and leave a lovely five-star review, well, then I would greatly appreciate that. And if you do, please make sure that you tell me, because the least I could do really is thank you on the podcast. You can reach out to me via email, Instagram, or Twitter. All of that is linked in the show notes of this episode. I would love to hear back from you. Again, it is really appreciated as an independent podcaster. Any and all feedback and reviews go a really long way. I'd also like to take a moment to say thank you to Alex, who designs the artwork for the podcast. If you like what you see in the logo for this show, then head over to the show notes. You can find Alex's details down at the bottom. You can reach out to him personally and commission him for your very own artwork. I can't recommend the guy enough. He does a fantastic job. So again, if you like what you see, reach out to him today. And lastly, if you like the look of that particular logo and you fancy it on a T-shirt, a mug, a pin badge, a magnet, you see where I'm going with this, all that good stuff, it can be found on the official Tee Public store for this particular podcast. I've put the affiliate link in there for you to go and check that out. Again, any purchases made go to supporting this podcast 
and I'll greatly appreciate it. If you're kind enough to buy something, please tell me because I'd love to give you a massive shout out on the podcast and of course the social media platforms. Right, that's it from me. I'll be back again in a few weeks time with a completely different guest on a completely different topic. So until next time, stay tuned and stay safe.